Um, I don't know if you guys heard that uh, we didn't get raptured yesterday. Isn't that kind of interesting? Um, I didn't know anything about it until I think my wife mentioned it to me that there was a pastor in, uh, in Oakland that had predicted that we were all going to be raptured yesterday at 6. And I completely forgot about it. And so I was sitting at the computer yesterday and um, Jamie had gone to Costco and she calls me at like 6.05. She goes, okay, just seeing if you were still there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, we didn't get raptured. So, uh, cool. I, I, you know, I would love to, to, to get raptured and be with Jesus, but I really think he has us here for a reason, and our work's not done. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this month, is what it, why are we here? What's our reason? Uh, at Red Sea, we have a, a, a vision or a purpose statement. We believe that God has called us to Christ, develop into community, and then to deploy to culture. So this month, we're actually taking each one of those three things, and we're going to be talking about them on a Sunday morning. Uh, Royce actually kicked off this month preaching about eldership. Uh, and so the other thing we're doing this month is we are giving you guys an opportunity to speak into the lives of myself and Billy that led worship for us. At the end of the month, uh, the beginning of June, we're going to be going uh, through a process of establishing elders at the church. Uh, we know that Sean is going to be heading out and, uh, to plant the church in Ventura, so we don't want to leave Red Sea uh, with one person making all the decisions. We believe in a—here's those keys— uh, we believe in a, um, a plurality of eldership and a plurality of the body, the people coming together. And, and so I uh, just want to encourage you guys this month, if you want to uh, say anything about uh, me and Billy's life, we give you guys full permission to do that. Um, if there is <laughs> secret sin or um, uh, character issues or, or any of that, please feel free to, to talk to Royce about that. He's got an email address. Uh, you can get in your bulletin there and, and send him a message. Uh, it can be good. Uh, it can be an encouragement or it can, be, it can be bad. But at Red Sea, a lot of times we do this stuff and we don't hear anything. You know, I mean, which is killer because you guys are supportive in what we're doing. But we'd love to have your input in this process as, as we go through it. So we just want to encourage you guys to do that. So after that, Billy kicked off uh, two weeks ago. We did Draw to Christ, and the term we use for that is called Christology. Uh, and Billy did a killer message. I told him it was one of the clearest uh, explanations of the gospel that I've heard in a really long time. So that message is on our website. And if you're really wondering what we're about as a church, go onto our website, read about it, and then go to the section on sermon audios and actually listen to that message and see the approach that we take and God calling us to him. Uh, to be his people. This week we're going to be talking about developing in a community, and the word we would use there is ecclesiology. Next month is uh, next week. Sean is going to be preaching, uh, deploying in the culture, and that would be missiology. So hang in there this month with us. As you guys can tell, attendance is going to be a little lower. Our college students, for the most part, UP students, have headed back home. Is that right? Okay. Um, so we, we've lost our cool young flair, uh, and now it's just us old thirty-somethings. Um, I thought it was funny, and. Uh, and so, uh, you know, this for the most part, the smaller group uh, is really family, you know, and I think that's kind of cool because that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I feel like I'm standing up here like looking out at you guys saying, I get to talk to my family today. Not that college students aren't family because we love college students, but they come and go. Um, so uh, glad you guys are here. Glad you guys are, are hanging out with us and uh, we're going to have, have an awesome time. So um, Deploying into culture, the word, the word I'm sorry, uh, developing the community, the word there is ecclesiology, and that means the building up of the church. 
Uh, it would be the, the people of God coming together, being ambassadors for Christ, us being brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I like the word family, which I think is a, a pretty, pretty uh, cool term. If, uh, if you're in a home community, you guys are going through uh, covenants, uh, you guys are doing the story, and you're hearing a lot of family language, which I think is awesome, because I think we should look at ourselves as a family. Uh, one of the things I've realized about my family in particular is uh, they never go away. You guys notice that? Like, it doesn't matter how much you may disagree with your family or, or get on their nerves or fight. Family's forever, right? You may go through a, a year or a decade of not speaking to them, uh, which we've done before in our family, but uh, families always tend to come back together over time, and they work through their issues. And so I think it's very healthy for us as a body and as a church to say, hey, you know what? We are a family. We're in this thing together. And one of the things I really want to challenge you guys at, uh, even, even today, um, there can't be a plan B. Because I think a lot of times, especially here in Portland, um, we come to this city, uh, a lot of us didn't grow up here. We're not from Portland. We were sitting around the other day uh, talking about Red Sea with some of the Soma guys. And we were saying, how many of our families that go to Red Sea actually grew up in Portland? How many of you guys are born and raised Portlanders? We've got, we've got about seven, eight of us in the church that are from Portland. The rest of us, we're transients. You know, like, like we're, we're, a lot of us, let's be honest, we're passing through. And uh, it's difficult to uh, build and develop a church when we're all passing through. You know what I mean? The, the story of Red Sea is Red Sea's been here for 10 years and we've had a lot of people come, and we've sent a lot of people out. There's been a lot of incredible things that God's done through people. We haven't had a whole lot of, I hate this church, I'm leaving type of thing, which is, which is awesome for a church. But we've had a lot of people that come for a season. They're at Red Sea for a while. They're in Portland for a while. But Portland isn't the last stop in their journey. And so they're looking uh, for Portland to be a part of that journey. But hey, there's always something else. There's always family back somewhere. I'm going to do the cool uh, young singles a Portland hipster scene, and then we're going to go back somewhere else and raise our kids and stuff like that. That's detrimental to a church, like, you know, it really is. And so I want to challenge some of you guys to pray, is God calling you guys to be lifers at Red Sea? And I want to stand before you guys and say, me and my wife have had that conversation. And we've said, you know what, God's calling us to, to be lifers. For us, there is no plan B. All of my family is in Alabama. Everyone, we moved up here not knowing anyone. And so if there ever was a flight risk, it would be me, you know, because I'm like, kids are growing up, school's back home, family's back home, the price of housing, oh my gosh, you know, back in Alabama, all that good stuff. And we're like, you know what? This is our family. And we truly believe that, that, that we love you guys. And we're going to be here with you guys for the long haul. And there's no plans, uh, there's no plans to leave. There's no, I think when we moved up here, we were here about six months and, um, we moved in like July, and it was beautiful, and then the, the winter hit, and we're like, we want to go home, you know? Like, this, this sucks. Um, and so we said, well, let's give it five years. And, uh, you know, maybe after five years we can go home. And God has completely broke, broken us of that. And now we desire to be with you guys more than we actually desire to be with our family, our immediate family, paternal family. We do love our family back home, but you guys are the ones that we're going to raise our kids with. You know, you guys are the ones that I want my kids to marry. 
don't know if you've seen my daughters, but they're beautiful. So we are accepting endowments. Uh, Dave Cronin's at the top. He's planning to make me something really cool. Um, so you got to top Dave right now. I'm kidding, guys. Um, and, and so basically, uh, that's what we want to talk about today is being a family uh, together. Uh, if you go on to, on to our website, you can read our, our, uh, our mission statement, why we exist as a church. I wanted to read a small section of it to you guys. It says, our mission is a package deal. Each of the three components of our mission, the draw to Christ, develop a community, deploy to culture, is distinct, but they are all interconnected with, with each other to form a balanced whole. People cannot be truly involved in Red Sea and yet limit themselves to only one component of our mission, such as only attending our Sunday gathering or not being involved in efforts to develop in the community or deploy in the culture. So guys, this is a package deal. This isn't uh, come to church on Sunday morning, hear a good message, and we'll see you next week. It's be a part of what's going on here. Let's develop into, into a community together. And I think out of those three things, drawing to Christ, developing community, and deploy to culture, I think, if anything, we will lose the most people over developing into a community. You've never heard of someone leaving a church because they just drew to Christ too much, you know? Or they, just, they were just too missional out in their communities. It's developing into a community, you know, it's us being family together, us annoying each other. We're going to do that a lot. You know, we're sinful. I'm going to sin. You know, I'm not going to have grace at times when I should. And you guys are going to do the same to me. But when there's not an exit strategy, we work through our issues as a family together in this together. So let's keep that in mind as we jump into the scriptures and how we really look at what it means to uh, develop into a community. So if you have your Bible, I would challenge you guys or ask you guys, open up to Matthew 22. Uh, if you need a Bible, we have some in our Connect booth, which is in the back of the room. And uh, feel free to, to grab one of those. Matthew 22, first book of the New Testament. Verses 34 through 40. And uh, I would invite you guys to stand as we uh, read the word together and, uh, in honor. And we focus our attention on the text. Matthew twenty two thirty four. The Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You guys have a seat. A little background to the text here. In, uh, if you read a few chapters before this in Matthew, we have the triumphal entry, which is where Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And he begins to have conversations with the religious people of the day. This would be the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There was a few other groups. They were smaller. They weren't quite as powerful. And these two groups were constantly fighting over control of the people, uh, the religious power that existed inside of this city. So Jesus comes in and he begins to have conversations with them. And he does it by telling parables. And a lot of times, the parables paint them in not a very flattering light. And so it puts them as the ones that are really manipulating the people. They're the ones that have really missed the boat completely. And a lot of times, the parable will end with the Pharisees and the Sadducees saying something like, and they perceived that he was talking about them. Hmm. 
And so he's been doing this to them. So they start to get frustrated. And so they're like, you know what? We need to trip this guy up in his words. Like, I bet we can get him to say something that either will have the Romans come in and take him out and put him in jail. Or maybe he'll say something that will actually um, kind of convict himself. Maybe he'll call himself God or something like that. And that'll be against one of our rules. And we can go and we can punish him and we can, we can kill him. So he's asking them questions. We see two parables right before this or two, two stories where the, the Pharisees come and ask him who they should pay taxes to. Do you guys remember that? And he says, render to Caesars, which is Caesars. Well, then the Sadducees come back behind him and they come up and they ask him, well, if a man dies and and uh, he has a wife, and his brother comes, and, and because the brother was supposed to take the wife after, after the older brother died. And then what if that brother dies? And then it happens again, and it keeps happening again. In heaven, whose wife will she be? You know, they ask these really deep questions. And Jesus just keeps shattering them with his answers and just blowing them away. So they're like, what do we do? Let's team up together, and we'll send one guy to ask him a question. So they send out the lawyer. And you see this in the story. The lawyer is sent before him. Now, a lawyer would have been a, uh, not what, how we would imagine a lawyer today, but this would have been an expert in the Old Testament law. So this person would have dedicated their being to the first five books of the Bible, particularly, in knowing the law. God gave uh, the Israelites in the first five books of the Bible and, and uh, the, uh, the, the way that they were supposed to live uh, to be his people, basically. So if you want to be mine, if you want to be my chosen people, if you want to be holy like I am holy, I need you to do these things. So this guy would have been an expert in that law. So Jesus' response to him of what is the greatest commandment, now it's kind of a weird question to ask, but in his mind, he would have taken all of that law and divided it into, I guess, greater and lesser commandments. He would have said, okay, now God has given us these tons and tons of commandments. If you've, if you've read it, it's rather lengthy. And they would have said, okay, now out of those, which were more priority than the other? And they would have kind of tried to categorize them. So he's like, I'll trip Jesus up in his words and try to get him to figure out, you know, which of these is truly the greatest commandment. So we look at Jesus' response here in Matthew 22. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I want you guys to uh, jump over to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 32. That's uh, the fifth book of the Bible. Yeah, fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy 4, 32 through 40. And this is where we're actually going to hear that phrase. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Okay, Deuteronomy 6. This is where Moses is actually giving the people the law. He's telling them, if you're going to be my people, here's the things I need you to do. Deuteronomy 6, 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down. And when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So at the beginning of verse 4 there, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. To the Jews, that phrase they named the Shema. And that was a very important phrase for them because 
throughout the day, a Jew would actually repeat that prayer multiple times. And for them, it was a way to remember who God was and what he had did. And if you want to, if if you're a a note taker, write down Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 32 through 40. This is where we actually see that phrase. And in that passage, Jesus said, God says, hey, Israelites, Remember what I did for you. Remember when you were in Egypt and you were a prisoner there and I brought you out of that? And remember the cloud that protected you and the fire of cloud at night? Remember the food coming down from the the sky? Remember this incredible work that I did that had never been done by anyone before in time. I did that for you so that you would know that I am your God and you are my people. So that incredible work that God had done is summed up in the phrase, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So they would constantly repeat this. So in verse 6 here, he tells them that phrase, what I want you to do is I want you to bind that on your heart. I want you to teach it to your children. I want you to bind it on your hands, your head, and over the doorposts of your home. So we've got some pictures here of what this would look like for a modern day Jew. Uh, Let's go to the other one first. Or this one. Uh, this one was called the mezuzah. And inside of this would have been a scroll. And it would have had that phrase in it. Uh, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you would take that, that piece. And that's what you would actually put in your house. Mount it above your doorpost on your walls. Well, the other one here you see on his, on his head. This was what's known as a phylactery. And a phylactery was a little box. And inside of it was actually that scroll. So when he said, I want you to bind this between the frontlets of your eyes. They said, okay. And they did this. And they still do it today. And you can actually go out, go online, and you can buy one of these. And for them, it was a constant reminder that they were God's people. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. It would be really difficult for me to forget when that thing was on my head. You know? Like, I would like, yeah, you know, I I get it. It's it's right there. I'm constantly seeing it. It's a constant reminder. Now, do we do this today? No. None of us do this today. The reason is in Jeremiah 31, we see a new covenant where we no longer have to bind it on our head. But now we know that the covenant is in our heart and the relationship that we have with Christ. So we no longer have to do these outward signs. Christ is now in our heart. The reason I'm explaining this to you guys is the Jews, they never forgot that they were God's chosen people. Like it would be difficult. They knew that every part of their being, everything that they were, was supposed to be a reminder of God's faithfulness to them. Now that is what Jesus said is the first and greatest commandment. That you shall love me with your heart, with your soul, with your mind. And then in Mark 12 we see with your strength. So the essence of who I am as a human being is meant to glorify God. Every part of me I'm supposed to realize that I'm on this earth for a reason. And that's to love God and do him first and foremost. Right? Not a revolutionary concept for you guys. I understand this, but here's where we're going. In the story, I bet the lawyer loved that answer. I bet he was sitting there with a phylactery on his head. Like, yeah, you see the phylactery? I got it. Like, I'm there. I know what you're saying. And I think as as the people of God, we really get behind that phrase, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, yeah, you know, I'm here for a reason. I have a purpose. It's to glorify God. You know, that's why I come to church. That's why I read my Bible. That's why I put up with the people that I'm sitting around. Because because I love the Lord your God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. But then look what Jesus says after that. He says, and the second is like it or is as great as it is. To love your neighbor as yourself. Now did the lawyer ask him what the two greatest commandments were? No. 
Because Jesus knew that he was already probably doing this one, or he at least thought he was. And he said, you know what? It's not just about you loving God, but it's about you loving one another. That was also a part of the law. You could read this in Leviticus 19 if you want to, and, and we can read it together. It's got some, a really cool description of what it meant to, uh, to love your neighbors yourself. In Leviticus 19, um, there's a section called, Be Holy as I Am Holy. And basically God's saying, hey, if you want to be my people and you want to be with me, this is what I need you to do. Um, I need you guys to love one another. I need you guys to be in community with one another. In Leviticus 19, he says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field. This is in verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyards bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner, for I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of the Lord your God, for I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear the Lord, for I am your God. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor, for I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brothers in your heart. You shall, you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now that one hits a little closer to home. Because we say, wow, like, I'm actually, I'm actually supposed to, to love the people around me as much as I love myself? I don't think I love anybody as much as I love myself. And, and I'm supposed to... I'm supposed to sacrifice for my neighbor and I'm supposed to not take everything for myself and I'm actually supposed to, supposed to help them and I'm supposed to love them. And for these people, if they were not willing to do that, then they were not holy like God is holy. And so God, Jesus tells them, you want to know what the great commandment is? Love me, but also love each other. And you know, by the way, if you don't love each other, then that's a sign that you don't love me and that you're not my people. But that's not how we look at it, is it? We like to prioritize this, just like the, the lawyer did. What, one's better than the other. Can I just come to church? Can I just, you know, grow in my relationship with God and not have to, to like, deal with each other? No, we can't. Because we're called to be a community. We're called to be the people of God together, uh, the family of God uh, loving one another. Um, the reason I really wanted to, to, to settle on this, this point here is you are going to find a reason to not be in community. You, I, I, daily, you will find a reason why not to be in community. It'll be somebody's kids are doing something that you don't like or the pastor said something that you don't like or, or they're doing this or doing that and, and we're going to and you're going to find a reason to leave guys and girls, ladies. But if we constantly say, you know what, I, I'm, I am called to be here and to love one another. And, and by the way, you can't pick and choose these. It's love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and lo love your neighbor as yourself. And they're interconnected. I can't love the Lord my God with all my heart and my strength if I'm not loving my neighbor. 
And by the way, I can't just love my neighbor and not love God. That's like social justice. And that's what Portland is really big on. Let's help people just for the sake of helping people. But if the essence of us loving our neighbor is not the gospel and the message, and we're wanting them to love God and to be in a right relationship with God, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And so we have to look at our lives and say it's both of these things together. Because Jesus says at the end of this passage, you read on, he says, all the law and the prophets depend on, or are fulfilled in this one idea. Everything is summed up. It's a conclusion of all that God has done to love your neighbor as yourself. And that, in reality, is the essence of who God is. And the relationship that he has with us and what we see in Christ is that him coming down to this earth and him dying for our sins and him dying for people who did not love him and who rejected him and who were sinful. And so in Christ and what he did on the cross, we see that idea of loving our neighbors ourselves. And I'll tell you guys this, we actually can't love each other without looking at what Christ has done on the cross. Because, like, I just don't have the strength to do it. I will just become so frustrated with, like, the people that I'm in my community with. Like, if somebody doesn't doesn't show up for something or or if, um, you know, uh, maybe... uh, that's my big frustration. People don't show up for stuff. And I, and I look at it, I'm just like, I get frustrated. I can't believe they said they'd be there and they're not going to be there. And, and I, you know, we need to do this. We're on a mission together. We're supposed to be a family. And they're just bailing and they're not showing up. And I'm bitter now and all this stuff. And I have to say, you know what, God? I look at what you did on the cross and I see grace there. And that is the grace that I'm, that is my motivation that I now love one another. And so I look at the work you've done in my life and and I look at you coming in, God, and redeeming me of my sin. Billy talked about this at the, at the beginning of, of what I have to offer God. And that song, man, I just love that song, God, taking all of, of my life, taking all of my filth, and you redeeming that. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And when we start to do that, when you let God come in and change your life, and you realize how much He saved you from, then all of a sudden you have the strength to be in community with one another. You have the strength to continue not only to love us, because it's not just about us loving the people in this room, but now I can actually love my neighbor that is the house next to me that has the drum set that loves to play all the time. You know, and I can, I can love the, the boss that I have at my job that likes to micromanage me and tell me what to do. Thank you. You know, I can have a love for these people because of the love that, that Christ has given me. Um, Jesus, uh, if you read this parable in Mark 12, uh, at the end, the, the lawyer actually says, um, you have answered correctly to Jesus. And Jesus' answer to him is, and you are not far from the kingdom. It's, and it was all because he got that one concept. I need to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and my strength. I need to realize why I'm here and the purpose that God has placed me on this earth. But I can't stop there. I need to take that love and I need to give it to my neighbors. And I need to, I need to start saying, you know what? And seeing, you know, you guys are my family. You guys are the people that we're called to, to, be, to be God together. In a second, we're actually going to take communion and I want to challenge you guys, as you come up and you take communion together, obviously take it as family, but maybe you could even ask someone that's in your community to come with you and take it, your neighbor. Maybe you guys could, could say, hey, let's go up and let's, let's take this thing together. And, and although 
maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that's sinned against you. Maybe it's somebody that you have a disagreement with. Maybe you say, you know what, we need to come up here and we need to look at the cross. And we need to look at what Jesus did. And I've realized that I don't love you. And, and I want to love you. And I want to be in, in community in community with you. So I uh, challenge you guys to do that as we, as we go, be, go before this and, and we take the Lord's Supper. Um, and then the biggest way that this is going to be flushed out in our church is in what we call a missional home community. So we understand that for a lot of you guys, Sunday morning, this is your first step into this church. It, putting out the feelers, what are we about, who are we, that's awesome. Like I encourage you guys to continue to do that, to, to come and learn about the family. But then consider taking that next step and developing into a community and start going to a, a missional home community. And these are homes that meet throughout our city. Um, we've got some here in St. John's. We've got one in Beaverton. We've got one in Gresham. We've got one in Montevilla. Uh, so wherever you are, we really want to get one in Vancouver really soon. No pressure. Uh, and so, you know, there are, these, there are these groups of people that meet during the week around you, and they get together, and they don't only just live life together, but they're on mission together to reach their neighborhoods. And so they're beginning to to tell their na- invite their neighbors into their homes and to tell them about Christ and they're, they're serving their community together. They're on mission together doing things. That would be that next step that I want to challenge you guys. If you're not there, start, start doing that because for us, it's a package deal. We're, we love that you're here on Sunday mornings, but we're, we challenge you, take that next step. Learn to love the people that are, that are around you and learn to, learn to be a part of the family. In the back, in the Connect booth, uh, we have a list of our, of our home communities. So you can get on there, send an email, find out where they're at, find out what time they are. It's an incredible time to get together and eat and spend time together as a family uh, and just to, to be God's people together. So I want to challenge you guys, consider taking that next step. Don't stay where you're at, looking toward the cross of what God has done. So let's pray and uh, we'll get our, our worship guys back up here. And we're going to spend some time just praising God. You guys come on up. We're going to spend some time just just singing to him. We're going to come up here and we're going to take communion together as a family. There's going to be a bucket that's going to be passed around. This is our tithes and offerings. So this would be our way of, of giving back to God and supporting the work of the church, paying the electric bill, uh, all of those good things. And I challenge you guys, that is, that is a huge part of worship as much as singing and offering our lives to God as offering our finances to him. So the bucket's going to come around uh, right in our first song here. Uh, and then we're going to spend time just being a family, singing to one another and and worshiping. So you guys uh, join me in prayer and uh, we'll spend some time with God and with one another. Father, you know how difficult uh, it is for me many times to have grace. And the only way that that I am ever going to be able to do that is by looking at, at what you've done looking at how you've come in and you've redeemed my life, I I see a a past of sinfulness and of selfishness. I see a life of wanting the things of the world more than I wanted the things of you. But you, you came and you chose me to be your people, and you've chosen us to be your people, and now we take that sin and we offer it up to you, and we realize that you've paid the penalty for that. That in your eyes, we are now holy, not because of our works, 
but because of what Christ has done on the cross. And so we can be in a right relationship with you. Father, give us the ability to take that grace that you've given to us and to show it to one another. I pray we would build up as a community together. I pray that we would be the church. We would be the ambassadors of you. I know in in Romans 12, Father, Paul says that, that we actually put on Jesus. That we actually wear him. And so we begin to, to be Christ-like to one another. Give us the ability to do that, Father. Give us the ability to, to sacrifice, to see a hurt inside of our church, Father. And to want to give to help that need. To see families that, that can come together and that can raise our children together. Father, give us endurance for the road ahead as a church. Give us patience. Give us faith that we would come together as one body and we would move forward on mission with you. So we come before you and we tell you that we cannot do that on our own. We need you to do that inside of us, Father. I pray that you would bring people to Red Sea or even the people that are already here that would be sold out to the mission that we're on. And they would, they would plant their, their roots here in St. John's. And they would continue to not try to look for something else. But they would be confident in you and the work that you're doing through them in this church, Father. We ask you for that, Father. We need that, Father. I pray you would provide that. Lift all these things up in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.